Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Oh, hello, Tom. Um, yeah, my name is Chris Kendall. I do uh, like a, a weekly podcast, and I do a, I have a blog site, and we talk about um, the subject NASA comes up in the discussions. And uh, I have a question regarding the Apollo laser, and I was told yep. that you're an expert on that. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, sir. I uh, okay. Um, Specifically, I saw a Mythbusters episode, and uh, I think one of your colleagues, um, Russet McMillan's on there, and yeah, they're right. talking. Yeah, they're talking about uh, uh, the you know bouncing laser off the uh, ret- retro reflectors mm-hmm. that were placed there on the uh, Apollo missions, right. and um, yeah, I I. I was as I was watching that. I was saying, well, I mean, there was something that I it didn't quite make sense to me. I was wondering if I can get some clarification on it. Um, sure. The uh, like bouncing. I don't know. Maybe you could tell me not, now. Bouncing a laser off the moon is, is, as far as you know, is that is that something that's like technically impossible without a re- without the reflector? Um. Y- yeah. In all practical terms, I mean, you can get some light back from the surface but you'd never you'd never know it because you wouldn't be able to differentiate those photons returning from the background so uh, in practical terms like theoretically yeah you can get light that comes off the surface but in practical terms you'd never be able to to differentiate that signal oh okay yeah because yeah that's why it it kind of um I was thinking that I, I was just questioning whether or not that's correct because I I was aware of the um, uh, it was a 1966 National Geographic article the lasers bright magic they're talking about uh, in 1962 they were bouncing lasers off the moon <clears throat> and it's also in the uh, Wikipedia entry it, it, it makes a mention of that so I, I was like well I mean is that really technically correct because this according to this article when you read it, it's like that's exactly what they did and they were using a laser that's like far less powerful than the ones that are available today you know so i, I was just are, are you sure about that part they had some powerful lasers back then i mean um well i mean they according to the, it was a pretty big hammer yeah but i mean whatever the case i mean that that would be uh Incidental to the ability to bounce the laser off the moon and get it, and get a uh, you know a reflection back without a reflector, right? Well, so let me put my statement in context, which is I care about accuracy, and so okay, um, and and you know in in, the, in modern times, no one would contemplate just this crude method of bouncing off the surface because the surface is very rough and you don't know exactly where you're hitting. But if you can if you can tolerate that and you can have, you know, a much wider pulse width, for instance, you can pack a lot more energy into the pulse and you could get the visibility up to the point where, yeah, you could uh, you know, differentiate the return. 
but you know that it's a very blunt tool at that point. So I guess okay. in modern times, that the context is that's not a practical way to do it. But but yeah, if you just you know the right kind of uh, pulse energy and and you know pulse duration and not caring so much about accuracy, you could in principle you know see your laser return off the moon. Okay, so it is it is indeed possible to get a, a laser to bounce off the moon without any sort of artificial apparatus stuck up there, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's what yeah. that's what I thought this was saying. And then when I was looking at the MythBusters episode, it was like just unequivocally no that that's that that's an impossibility. They they referenced the uh, what the albedo of the moon. They said if you shoot if you shoot a laser at the moon, it's you know it has an albedo of whatever they said it was like eight or something like that. And it says this is going to diffuse the light, and you're not going to get a signal back. So that was um, a bit technically incorrect, wouldn't you say? Well, I would say, I, you know, the Mythbusters episodes I've watched are 90% technically incorrect and they get a few right. things right. But, you know, yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah, because, you know, I got but, uh, another you know, what, guy. What you can say is that you'd never see the kind of return that we see without a reflector no. there. You wouldn't see this sharp spike, this, you know, localized right. in time that's very bright from the kind of pulse energies we're sending up. So, so it's not it's not an issue of whether or not now uh, okay yeah, that 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 brings up an, uh, another interesting question like how, let's say you know you're getting a reflection just off the surface of the moon as opposed to a retroflector you know you're just getting a photon back like how how do you differentiate between a, something that's reflected off the surface and something that's reflected off a, a, off a reflector is there some some distinct uh, uh, trait well, to the photon you're getting back well the important thing is yeah absolutely the important thing is the time that the reflector is very compact and the light comes back uh all in a tight little bunch um whereas if you hit the surface you've got a a beam that inevitably is several kilometers across you can't really Mm -hmm. do much better than that and and so you're gonna hit you know terrain and in fact you know you point to an arbitrary point in the moon like where the reflectors are for instance the the ground is sloped relative to your line of sight because you'd have to hit the dead center of the face of the moon in order to be sort of flat on mm-hmm. you know because it's a globe and so um you know that few kilometers of beam spread will make for you know many hundreds of meters of, of variation in where that uh, surface photon, uh, you know, how, how far it has to tra- travel on its round trip. So uh, it's going to get spread out in time uh, hundreds of meters, whereas the reflector is all within, you know, a few centimeters. So that makes it highly uh, visible by contrast. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, because um, what made me ask that question was that, I, I was watching another thing on uh, BBC, and I think it was Brian Cox. Are you, are you familiar with him? I think that's his name. Uh, I've, I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, he's like a physicist, and he was talking to a guy at the uh, observatory where they're bouncing lasers off the moon, and the guy was describing the process, and he says he says something to the fact that, you know, you, you know bouncing it off the reflector, you, you only get like a, like a few photons back. So I was I was I was thinking in that uh, I think I was thinking that 
about that in in context to like the you know what they were doing in 1962 it's like well i mean if if with with the reflector you're only getting a few photons back and then how i how are you able to get any photons back off the just flat surface of the moon that's why you know i I, I'm, that's why I'm kind of confused about what you're saying because I don't. It's like it would be an issue of, um, you know, if, if it's only an issue of like a few photons or a relative handful of photons, like whether they bounced off uh, a moon rock or whether they bounced off a reflector, wouldn't seem to make that much of a difference. You know what I mean? Well, I think the difference is the kind of laser that you're going to use to hit the reflector is, you know, you care about the precision, so you want a very short pulse, and you can uh-huh. only pack so many photons into the short pulse. Okay. If you are in 1962 and you're just, you know, thumping your chest and you want to show, you know, what can, we can do with this, you know, amazing laser tool, you get a big hammer of a tool, and you have this, you know, giant pulse energy way beyond what we can pack into a, a really narrow pulse because they don't care. You know, you've got, you can have, uh, you know, many nanoseconds of, of pulse width, whereas today, you know, that would be abhorrent to, to try to do it with such a wide pulse width because your precision would just go go to pot. Mm-hmm. But they didn't care about precision. So when you, 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 you can make trade-offs, and if you don't care about that, you can just slam it with a hammer. And so you, comparing the two is not really you're not using the same laser characteristics for the two different experiments okay so the difference would be um on on the order of magnitude of what would you say millimeters or feet or to give you your accuracy yeah we're looking at millimeters right now so we're okay. dealing with pulse widths that are less than a tenth of a nanosecond and you know that you just can only pack so many photons into that before you start melting optics so you know you just you're limited and, and right. so uh to get the precision you have to give up a little bit on on your photon count which would make that particular laser very ill suited uh for um, for getting a return off the surface so so really the um issue is not that it can't be done like bouncing a laser off the moon because the moon, I mean, is obviously reflective to just naturally reflective, um, according to you know the fact that you can bounce a laser off the moon. It's just it's the re- the retro reflectors it, it give you more accuracy um, because they're sending more photons back. Is what you're is that is that what you're saying? They give you accuracy because. They are physically compact, and even though your laser beam is hitting a two-kilometer or several-kilometer spot on the moon, uh-huh. which, you know, if you relied on surface return, would give you this huge spread of times when your photons came back because it's hitting a sloped surface, and, you know, it's just not all not all the photons have the same path length, you know, to get to the, that particular spot on the moon and back. You've got a whole range of spots that you're hitting. But the retroflector sort of pinpoints a particular location within that few kilometers and allows you to get, uh, you know, all your photons are going to come back in a short amount of time. Uh, sorry, within the, you know, in the short, small clump around the same time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what gives you the precision is it's just physically small. It's not kilometers across. It's, you know, 
Okay, let's see if I have a pretty good grasp of this. So you're saying, like, if you shoot a laser to the moon and then it's just hitting the raw surface of the moon, um, what may happen if, like, if somebody could visualize it as maybe the photons are sort of ricocheting off the rocks maybe a little bit before they, um, you know, so you got all these photons that are kind of being scattered like billiard balls across the surface and they're kind of going in every which direction and then, you know, randomly you may get one that will after it's kind of ricocheting off the, you know, the bumpers there, like a billiard ball analogy there, um, a, a few would, you know, hit 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 a precise angle somewhere on a rock to to be shot directly back. Is that is that kind of is that accurate or is that? Well, it's more like imagine you're looking at a barn in a field and I ask you how far is it to the barn to millimeter precision. You're gonna say, what are you, what are you kidding? What part of the barn? You know, the whole barn is big compared to a millimeter, so. If I, you know, try to do it with a, a laser that, say, illuminates the whole thing, I'm going to mm-hmm. get every possible answer, for, you know, spanning many, many meters okay. of the barn width. And it doesn't rely on, you know, billiard ball, the photons bouncing off here and there and, you know, doing multiple bounces. It's just that the distances vary to all parts of the barn. And it's the same with the moon. If you oh, right. shine right. A, a beam at the moon, it can't be less than a few kilometers across. So some parts are farther, some parts are closer. You're just going to get a spread. I see. I see and exactly. It's not some what you're complicated saying, right. surface phenomenon. It's just right. the fact that it's extended and it's big. And right, so right. if you wanted precise range to the barn, you'd have to specify a you know particular point, like get a, a Christmas right, right. Uh, like glow ball that's going to reflect, have a little okay. tiny reflection off, just one little point. So and that- then you can say, now we're in business. Yeah, so I know exactly what you're saying. You need a fixed reference point that is static so that it's like, okay, we know that this is, in relation to the rest of the moon, this is at, you know, point X. Okay, so, yeah, so that that brings it, yeah, yeah. exactly, okay, and it's small, and then, yeah. The only way to get a small thing to reflect light to you is to have not just diffuse, because, you know, you could put a white sheet of paper up there or something and say, right. well, maybe we can see photons from this, but they're going to get diffused. You're only going to get a few back because it's tiny and your beam is overfilling it by you know huge margin. So you're just not going to get much signal. And so the only way to get signal back from a small thing is to make it directional so that when it returns light, it returns light preferentially toward you and not just in all directions. Yeah, and there'll be... Um a very distinct uh, reading on your on your equipment. Other, in other words, like if you're if you're hitting maybe a, a, the the surface of the moon and you're getting a, you're getting photons coming back, you have some way to kind of make a differentiation between that and something that you're getting back from the reflector. Is that is that correct? Yeah, because the reflectors are all going to come back in a clump all around the same okay. time because it's right. small. Yeah, it's like a. Light they call has it travel time. You know, light's not infinitely fast, and that's the whole game: is to time the travel time. It's two and a half seconds to the moon and back. Yeah. And you know, if you just have it wide open, you're going to get uh, hundreds of nanoseconds. Uh, you know, maybe a microsecond of spread on the pulse from the uh, surface, but you know, you're going to get a, a nanosecond of spread uh, from the reflector. So it looks. You know, it really stands out. 
Right, yeah. And, and you know, you're talking millimeters of uh, accuracy and, and, and stuff, so it, it, uh, it probably gets, um, you know, yeah, you need to write a fixed reference point. Yeah, I understand. So it's not exactly as clear-cut as maybe some people would make it sound like, you know, because I've heard, I've heard sure. the argument made that, well, you know, if... Um, you know, because the question is, you know, oh, you know, did man go to the moon? Did they not go to the moon? And then you hear the response that, well, we absolutely did, we absolutely did go to the moon because for the fact that we can bounce lasers off the moon. And it's like, well, that's not technically correct. But uh, so, and yeah. just to put it in context, you call the guy who uses tweezers. I'm using tweezers all all in my professional life to measure the distance to the moon. And you ask, can you break a windshield of a car with the tweezers? And I'm going to say, well, no, that's not really. But now if you hand me a sledgehammer instead of tweezers, okay, sure. Now we can do this. But it's not the tool that you'd use at all for precision measurement. So you can go to a type of laser that's, you know, sort of more customized to just hitting it hard and getting some, you know, some effect out of it. But that's not... Yeah. That's not the the tool that the lunar laser ranging uh, well, enterprise would would pick up. Well, Tom, like Tom, in, in, in like in the interest of science, like people are skeptical, you know, of of the government and of you know, because you know, maybe because all the lies that they told in the past, you know, and, and stuff like that, and so it's kind of like a where you, you you come to the point where yeah, I just don't like trust this, you know, uh, this entity or this, you know, you know, so everybody kind of like. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. It's like people who are are skeptical, you know. Like, and then something like MythBusters comes out, and they're, and they're making these, you know, really definitive, unequivocal statements that you know, uh, bouncing a laser off the moon is impossible unless we went to the moon and put something there to reflect it back, which is uh, not not quite, you know, like we were discussing here, technically accurate. Like, I mean, don't you think that does damage to the whole, uh, you know, science? Because it's like after people find that out, you know, that they were bouncing lasers off the moon in in 62, or even if you go back before that, you know, the Navy was bouncing off signals off the moon, you know, uh, in the 50s. And, you know, people find that out and they're like, oh, so I've been lied to once again. I mean, don't you think that's a a detriment to like science education to the public. I mean, I don't. I don't know why. I, I, I see your. I see yeah. your point, but I think part of the problem is that the people on the receiving end of the information just don't have the background to be able to interpret what they hear. Because when I, for instance, hear anything on you know read anything in the newspaper, or hear it on radio, or see it on TV, mm-hmm. I usually have a good intuition about well, I'm that that's probably not completely the whole story in the right way to say it and you know they've got constraints they're trying to package things in right. a, a, a slot and a show and they can't just it, it, they would lose their audience if they were persnickety enough to have to define everything absolutely and it will also require them to fully understand it which isn't always the case I mean I've dealt with uh, media enough to know that I'm not talking to scientists they don't really have the background they can't they don't understand fully everything that's going on, and so they'll make misstatements because it's just reflecting their own. So, 
Yeah, in the ideal world, with unicorns and rainbows, we'd all be scientists, right, in my view, and we'd have that background. Mm-hmm. But without that, what can you do? You're always going to have the conspiracy uh, sort of contingent. And, you know, I guess I've dealt with that enough to know it's not worth the time. I mean, we need to spend time on scientification, yes, absolutely. We need to get people up to a higher standard. But, uh, you know, if people believe that we fake the moon landings, I'm kind of fine with that. They, 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 they don't matter. You know, honestly, it's kind of a harsh thing to say, but they don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you've got 0.5% of the people believing that, well, that's a shame. I mean, I wish it weren't true, but I don't think we need to spend our time addressing that 0.5%. I think we need to spend the time addressing the 100% and getting scientific literacy up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean about the, you know, getting in, getting kind of bogged down in technicals, you know, can, can you know, maybe discourage people from even paying attention, you know, and, um, <clears throat> but it would seem kind of, I mean, what they seem to have done would, would was to make some, like really affirmative statement into the idea that okay this is not done without a reflector and then that that is you know incorrect technically incorrect and um, very emphatic about it so it's like unequivocal and like this is this but here's is, this is science the and then and then if you but come see, in from the other side and you say right. these guys are wrong you're making this emphatic equivocal, unequivocal statement that mm-hmm. yes you can do this and then you're losing the detail of Oh, but not in the way that it's actually being done. So the way that it's being... So you basically, I think, do more damage, honestly, by pointing out that, yeah, oh, there's this little loophole, but then you amplify that loophole and say, well, then they're full of it. They don't know what to talk about. Well, they actually are closer to to the right story than saying that they're, you know, they're wrong. So I actually see more damage in in amplifying tiny inconsequential loopholes. Yeah, but when you're dealing with science, Tom, I mean, it's you know th- that's where you know that's the rub, right? The details, you know, the actual. Well, you, you, you risk getting into pseudoscience where you think you're talking science, right? But you're not nuanced enough to understand that you're, you know. Like, if you amplify this point mm-hmm. that Mythbusters said this thing, and, well, it's technically inaccurate, and you make that, like, a big deal, yeah. then what you're broadcasting is then we can't trust anything they say, and it throws their whole thing into question. Whereas, you know, if you really studied it and you understood the real details, which is way beyond probably what most people can, can get to, right. you'd realize that, oh, in the context, in the way that we're doing lunar ranging, you know, with these narrow signals, with, you know, to get precision and, you know, the whole bit, mm-hmm. then, yes, you have to have reflectors. That is, like, 100% true. Mm-hmm. And so coming in and saying, well, these guys are, you know, a little bit shaky because, right. hey, we did this in 1962. It, it's not correct because we didn't do this in 1962. We smashed a windshield in 1962. But that's not the same as being able to measure with millimeter precision 
you have to have reflectors to do that. So you can obscure by, you know, thinking you're illuminating, but actually make it worse. Yeah. That's well, I mean, according to this article, it's saying, you know, that they they bounce it off and it came right back and it gives them an instant measurement. But, um, yeah, but the, 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 the real issue is not that we can't, even though that, like, you know, Mythbusters and representatives, because they're a representative of science, even though they don't have science degrees, they're, you know, the populist sort of representatives of scientism or science, you know. And then so is Brian Cox, you know, which he makes an, he makes a, he makes the same unequivocal type statement like, I send a laser to the moon, it bounces back. If you don't believe the Apollo missions happen, and it's his, his exact words, you're a moron. That's what he says. So, so it's like, okay, Brian. Well, exact. That's not even correct for one thing. And you know what? What these people do is like they they make these, you know, definitive, you know, unequivocal statements about something that's just not true. And then, and then, like you know, when they're called out on it. And I'm not really, you know, it's it's it's, it's I'm, not, I'm not pointing this at you, but I mean, you did say this. It's like. Oh, why are you bothering me with the technicals? It's like that's that's your that's your gig, dude. That's your that's your well, bag, look, man. Is the technicals the science, right? If you want right? to get, if you want to get into, so you, you know, th- this is frustrating for me because uh-huh. if you pick on one little part, that's actually it's not it's not, not a it's not part. a minor detail, man. It's not at all. It's not. It's there's a big difference in saying. You cannot bounce a laser off the moon unless Apollo happened. And then saying you cannot get precision measurements. And it's very simple just to say precision measurements from the moon. And then that's a more truthful statement instead of making an an emphatic, unequivocal statement that is false. You see what I'm saying? There's There's a big difference. And I think, no, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I I don't really I don't really buy your whole argument. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's beneficial at all to make an unequivocal, incorrect statement and then want to get a pass on it when you guys are the science guys. You see what I mean? Well, if and, and this is a dilemma. I mean, because if we as scientists, and, and science reporters are kind of at the, the interface, they have to con- contact the public. And when science reporters, if you ask any of them what their experience is dealing with scientists, They'll say it's really frustrating because the scientists want to, like, correct every little thing and get the details just, you know, just really precise. But we can't do that in our publication because our readership, we we have to generalize for the readership to sort of swallow it. And, you know, the scientists are always wanting to be very precise, but the, the fact is that, you know, if scientists are talking to scientists, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Super precise, very careful, but in dealing with the public, you have to take shortcuts, or they're not going to be with you anymore. Well, and so I, I know what that, you're saying. That's kind of a I, dilemma. I know exactly what you're saying, but um, on the other hand, it's like, well, if if you take that right there, what you just said, I mean, how hard is it to be far more accurate and and just say uh, these these. Uh, reflectors give us accurate measures measurements. That's all they got to say is that these give us accurate measurements of the moon. We didn't have the capability before, and instead of this unequivocal, emphatic, um, you can't bounce lasers off the moon. Period. 
and if you don't in, in without Apollo and if you don't believe that then you're a moron I mean that's a that's a huge gap there between what what, so, what you're saying you know, I, I, I don't think was, I don't, I, I don't agree better, with that at all can I talk was there a better way to say it absolutely absolutely you know, yes, yes of course you just could have said you don't, it, you, it doesn't require but going into you, lengthy detail either really does you know it how, well yeah but if we okay i mean it, i know what you're saying it's not is not you as compelling up over something that doesn't turn out to matter i mean right but it's not it's not it's not as, in that in the context of how we do win arranging you know there are a lot of statements in the world that rely on some context and mm-hmm. and it can't all be spelled out. You know the words that we use. We can't pause doesn't, every time we use a word and define the word. Doesn't have we, to be. You know, doesn't have to be. We spelled carry out. a lot of context, and that's his sin is speaking in the context of what we actually do. Right, okay? but it doesn't. Yeah, could it have been said better? Yeah, but don't. I would make such a huge deal out of that. I would say, can we do a better job of science communication? Absolutely, but I wouldn't like take this particular example of a an unfortunate you know way to say it and yeah look the the point is he he inflamed people by saying moron right i mean that's that's i sense where your emotion is coming from well it, the, the reason well I'll, I'll explain why it, it inflames me or gets gets my goat is that you know it's like well okay so you know you have the science and you're clear on it and you and you're confident in it why do you need to resort to fallacious argumentation and hominem attacks and stuff like that? It, I mean, what so room is viewers. there in dis- discourse for that, you know, to get a point across? It gets viewers. He wouldn't do See? that in a science journal. He wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't he, but as and, a representative and, and science, of science. You don't do that. But when right. you're dealing with people, you meet people where they are. And, you know, look at the TV shows we have. They're awful. Mythbusters, oh, you know, yeah. it's great that they try stuff, but they, they uh, you know, they're... They're not scientists, and and they make silly mistakes. If they had a physicist on staff, they could save you know eighty percent of their time by not trying things that a physicist would say don't even bother. But it's not about science; it's about entertainment, and that's where people are. And if you look at things like I don't know all these reality shows where people are being voted off, people like to see, and it's a shame, they like to see bad behavior, and you know. This guy being kind of a jerk, I'm sure it's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, helps his yeah. ratings. Right. So, you know, it's it's not science. He's doing entertainment that has a science focus, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a journal. So if, if you find problems in the science, like in, in journal articles or whatever, then where all the technical stuff is, is there, uh, it's supposed to be there, then attack it. It, it deserves it, but if it's entertainment, take it for what it is. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, uh, I, do I wish that our entertainment was more, you know, scientifically literate and our populace was absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't go beating on somebody who's catering to where humanity is uh, just because that's where we are. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, I just I just wish that um, you know there wasn't this because you know what it what it what it speaks to me of is propaganda. I mean that's that's a propagandistic technique 
that is, um, okay, we're supposed to be living in this kind of free and open society where there's free and open exchange, and then you have uh, propagandists, you know, and, and using propagandist tactics, and that, wh- how does that fit, man? You know, it's like, wh- why, why, why that? And then, you know, that's one thing, but then uh, the so-called scientific community that we hear so much about, you know, that we need to defer to, and then they'll tell us, oh, we're killing the planet and this stuff, and we need to defer to experts, right? And, and you know, the, the experts are, are, or the representatives of the experts, because, you, you know, that's, that's, you know, the, the everlasting problem in the system. You can't really pin any one individual down uh, to, to, to start out, you know, because, because um, then it's like, well, you know, I, I didn't, you know, because I'm talking to you, and you're like, well, that's not me, and you're accurate in your statement, but, you know, it, I'll, I'll turn on the radio, and then I'm going to hear about the scientific community that is sort of this one unified mind that I'm supposed to defer to, and then when I, when I try to, okay, who's, a rep- who's the representative of it, and there's no representative, like, you don't, you don't, you don't, like, Tom, you don't claim to represent the ag- the scientific community in aggregate aggregate excuse me and and um purport to speak to, uh for this so-called scientific community like you you've illustrated that quite well here i mean like you say well i'm not brian cox and brian cox is not me and i'm not bill nine i'm not and i'm i'm not those people those are not even really the, scientists you see what i mean that's but the, the science that's establishment a, would also not say that they are the mouthpiece for right. for that establishment exactly so i mean so, scientists so, so, would all say that this is entertainment right so so what you're telling me is like this scientific community thing is like an abstraction it's like a phantom it's like a myth there really no. is no such thing well there is there is a scientific consensus and it plays out in journals it plays out can in I, conferences it can plays i speak out in, can i speak in, in to the scientific yeah can i speak to the scientific consensus can i call them on the phone and ask them questions because Anytime I do, I get an individual, which is normal, which was what I expect, and then they don't own any of the statements that the other ones make. So how, how are they a unified um, what, voice? What you can ask is, is what, what is the scientific consensus on this point? You can ask a scientist who's a practitioner in that field, what is the consensus? And if you ask you know, two or three and they give you the same consensus, you have a pretty good feel that, well, that's probably the consensus. And, yes, you haven't talked to the scientific consensus but you can ask right. that question what is the consensus that's a useful thing well i mean okay so that that's that's an interesting point you make because we we've just got through discussing where okay this a member of the scientific community whether it's a representative or whatever is bona fides in order or whatever that's inconsequential what i'm saying what i'm going to say here is like they are a representative to the public of science right and so they get to make technically or factually incorrect statements you know and then like when i call them out on or i call you or a member of the scientific community that's an expert on the very exact thing they're talking about you telling me that um in so many words that they should be given a a a pass because they're dealing with the dumb public and they're not going to understand the particulars and so what am i supposed to think about um, the information I'm getting from the so-called scientific community, when um, I could I could I could source out a, a very def- definite, incorrect, factually incorrect statement, 
And then I talked to a member of the scientific community, and they're like, oh, well, that's no big deal. So what else is what else am I being told that's not such I a big deal? You see what the, I mean? The disconnect here, the disconnect here is that scientists don't communicate through the media, and we all have a disdain for how the media gets you know misrepresents what we we say, and then we see somebody who is a scientist but who has sort of taken on the mantle of media, mm. and you know they succumb to the same problems, and so the scientific community isn't isn't backing up you know an entertainment industry the scientific community you know laments the fact that there are there are are problems but i don't think this should be taken out on scientists or the scientific community itself i mean you have individual members who see an opportunity to you know become famous or whatever and but that shouldn't be taken as Science. It's not, and it's not how science is actually communicated. So you go, you have to look at the journals and do the conferences and the whole thing, which is, you know, requires a lot of education to sort of understand the where the science really happens and how it really gets communicated. But you would agree with me that um, that it wouldn't take a whole, you know, extensive, you know, eight. Eight eight year long, you know, physics in depth, uh, you know, study or anything like that to you know differentiate between trying to get accurate measurements on the moon and not being able to get any measurements whatsoever from the moon, and then somebody explaining to me that you know, it the 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 retro reflectors are all about accuracy, not whether you know, and then you know that. I, I could really. No, I mean, that doesn't take. Most people would be able to understand that. I think quite readily without any kind of physics background, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, we agree you know, on that. I could I can pick on every every entertainment that I watch mm-hmm. as a science focus. You know, Discovery Channel is horrible. You know, yeah, yeah. Anytime something but comes see, up that's, that's you they're, know they're, something they're, I know about, I'm like, wow, they're really doing a terrible job distorting this and and not being technically correct. But then. Can I really tell them their business that, you know what, mm. you should be accurate in all these things, and then yeah. they know that, oh, our viewership goes to 5%, and we don't yeah. make money, and we're, then we have no shows. We have no science on well, TV, and so is that what you want? So it's, right. it's No, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying, and I, and, 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 you know, I absolutely agree with you on that. And it's like, well, you know, I, but I think what it what what I would like to point out with this is that, um, you know, the idea that there's this mouthpiece or representative that speaks for the scientific community, you know, it just, like what you're saying, it, it's not real. It doesn't really exist, you know. So, but people are given the perception that what they're hearing and seeing on TV is a representation of what science is. And there is no, and there is no, arbiter of this you know what i mean it's just that's what it is and then you know you seem to be um you know not 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 uh on board with what's going on in the media and fully understandable but it's like well you know that's they're they're representing you whether you like it or not and the people are given the perception that this is what science is all about and it's it's really not they're not really representing science and and uh but you know but the truth is, um, we live in a compartmentalized, a compartmentalized society where everybody has their own 
uh, specialization and, and then we can always sort of have this, uh, you know, uh, out. It's like an out. It's like, well, that, I didn't say that. I don't represent them. They don't represent me. They're a different thing. And then, you know, so within this, within this, uh, f- you know, within this framework, the way our society is organized, it's, it's like, is it so hard to believe that they could fake a moon landing when the left hand clearly doesn't know what the right hand is doing? And even to the point where it's like, I, I, you hear this all the time. That's not my department. That's not my department. It's like, well, you know, like, no, look, how if, easy if you would ask, it be in that climate to fake anything? Well, if, but you're being unfair because if you asked a bunch of scientists who, you know, have any contact with this business at all, um, the, the same question about about retroflectors, for instance, uh, you get a universal answer that, yes, to do the measurements that we're making, you have to have retroflectors. And so if you ask them, well, what about when uh, Brian Cox says this thing, um, you know, I think that it's not that there's a left hand and there's a right hand and they're going to be equally split. You know, you're going to find out pretty quickly that, the scientists are basically all falling on the one hand. And so I think it's the same thing with the, the lunar landings, but even more extreme that you've got, uh, you know, mountains of, of uh, data and evidence and, you know, the scientists are all, you know, it's not even worth questioning at this point mm-hmm. uh, because it's so obviously real. So you're trying to portray kind of a more conspiratorial nobody knows what the other is doing there's no consensus or there's no you know representative there's no single mouthpiece but that doesn't mean that the the practitioners of science don't actually have some consensus it's how that's getting portrayed to the media i mean like climate change is a good example where you've got uh, mountains of evidence you've got you know mm-hmm. Um, overwhelming fraction of scientists on board, you have a few percent of scientists who have realized they can make a name for themselves, get, get famous by, by getting interviews because, you know, you've got this almost crazy 50-50 rule on the media that, well, that's one side of the story. Let's hear somebody who disagrees. And then you're, you're grossly misrepresenting science when you don't have, you know, 98 people saying one thing and then you have two people being interviewed it's one and one and that does more damage than just reporting the one view mm-hmm. honestly right but i can you know i can say this you know i called apache point observatory and you know speaking to your colleagues there about you know it's, you know so i'm asking them you know is there anybody there can answer you know specific questions about the uh, apollo laser you know it's like well you know i'm not really qualified to answer those questions and it's like oh, yeah i understand so i mean but you know that is very, you're very closely related group of people when you say they're kind of in there that work directly with the laser, and do you think they know no. the particular no, nuances that is not of? True. Excuse me. No, that is not true. This is an astronomical telescope facility. Yeah. I get one percent of the telescope time for Apollo. Okay, so ninety-nine percent right. of that observatory is doing other things. They don't have anything to do with with the laser measurements. The only person at the site who would have any uh, real 
uh, sort of contact would be Russell McMillan. Right. She was uh, on the Mythbusters. So anybody, yeah. anybody else you talk to, um, I don't expect them to be able to answer questions about this experiment. Yeah, well, let, let's... I, I know. I mean, it's like, well, that's the compartmentalized nature of these specialized fields, right? So it's like they, you know, oh, did you know that you can bounce lasers without a record? No, I didn't know that. You know, that's not my specific area of expertise. Like, But like Russ at McMillan, she said on the Mythbusters episode, like, we could bounce lasers off the moon because of the retroreflectors. And anybody who denies Apollo missions basically is crazy. So it's like, you know, you talk about the inflammatory statements. I mean, they're they're... That's par for the course, I mean, really. But there's always so much context that we can't spill out all the context all the time, and we're not even aware of it. I mean, that's that's part of the problem is that we're not, you know, we're so locked into, yes, we're making these precision measurements. There's not a way in, in that we could possibly be doing this without the retroflectors. And so, you know, it's very, it, it's not a sinister move on our part to say, mm. Yeah, you couldn't do this bouncing off the moon without the retroflectors because we've got all this context and and again, you don't even think to do it, but it would slow things down, like I say in the extreme example, having to define every word that you use as you use it. There's just context built into our language. And in in the scientific community there's also so much context that, that comes from our education, for instance, that uh we don't even think to spell out with every sentence. And it would become tedious if we did. Well, so I know, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I mean, understand. that's. But this, here's the problem with that. You know, it's like it, it's it's not it, it, it's not asking a whole lot to to be you know more accurate. And and like you told me, it's like it's it's not impossible to get a. Uh, you know, a signal a laser signal back from the moon. They were doing it in 1962. That's not to, that's not in question, um, and, and it's just a matter of millimeter accuracy. Now, you would concur with me that that doesn't have quite the uh, weight than if you were to present it that way as you know proof for the Apollo missions, because that that was what the you know question was, you know. As if you were to get a little bit more technical, not not going into elaborate detail or going into direct specifics. That no, they're there for to get us millimeter accuracy. Big difference, and and doesn't have near the the umph. You know what I'm saying? As far as like, well, you see what sure, I'm saying? The know, big, I'm, I'm difference, for, big difference. Big difference. I'm also better I, accuracy know, and yeah. clearer communication. You know, I'm not going to say that scientists should be obfuscating and should be making things. You know. <laughs> You know, whatever. I don't think that there should be any deliberate misleading. On the other hand, I, I think feel there like definitely was. I mean, there's no doubt about it. it. I mean, it was like, I mean, you watched that. You've seen that episode, right? I'm sure you have. The that's your, one. Yeah, the Mythbusters, where they're talking about your specific yeah. you know, area of expertise. I'm sure that's yeah. interesting. Well, that, you you know, know, I don't see how way back when. Yeah, but then it's like, were, weren't you saying to yourself, were you, did you have a problem at the time when you first saw it? Like, oh, that's not true, uh, technically, or anything like that? Or were you pretty happy with the uh, presentation? I'm never happy when I see science in the entertainment industry. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that it's being discussed, but I can always pick it apart. Yeah, and, but that's, I mean, to so, me, I mean, you're saying it's a, it's kind of a niggling <laughs> little detail, but I mean, to me, I mean, I don't, I, I, well, it I is. think it's, and a, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because if you 
try to use that example uh-huh. of uh, of an unfortunately, you know, not completely contextual statement that, you know, well, not accurate. Well, let's given. just let's just call it what it is. It's not not accurate or not not correct at all. Not accurate. If, if you inserted the words, you can't shoot a laser at the moon. And if you just inserted the words and get the measurements we get today without the retroflector. So it, it's not, it, it's an omission of context. It's still accurate to the point that in, in the context of how we are actually doing this, you can't do it without the reflectors. And so, so if you amplify this little kind of missing piece and say, gee, now that makes us question the whole lunar landing, then you've gone backwards and you're damaging, not helping scientific literacy. Because then you sort of uh, are, are kind of intentionally, for ideological purposes or whatever, you are calling into question the whole edifice of science and I think it's unwarranted. But isn't that <laughs> be real about Come that. on, Tom, man. It's unwarranted. I mean, isn't that for, what science yeah. is supposed to do? Question everything? Question the premises? Question Brian everything. is an entertainer. He is an entertainer and he's getting good reviews because people tune in. Okay? He's not he's not the scientific edifice. And if you want the scientific edifice, man, go to the journals. Go to the conferences. Talk to the scientists and ask what's the consensus. Don't amplify little chicken, you know, crap stuff to make it seem like, oh, we need to question everything now because because of a statement with insufficient context. Yeah, you but know? The, you know, the, it's you know, it's one thing to say that you know, insufficient context. But when you look at what the criteria would be for setting it in a proper context, which wouldn't take much. Because, you know, you don't have to be a physics, like I was saying this before, and I'm repeating myself again, you don't have to be a physics major major to understand that the, the retro reflectors were there for accuracy and not, because there's two different things discussed, um, which is, which I think is a major point. It's not, it's not a niggling little, you know, chicken shit detail. It's well, look, that they, they cannot bounce signals off the moon, or they can bounce those signals in the moon. And 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 the uh, retro reflectors there is a matter of millimeter accuracy. Does not have near the same weight as a propaganda ploy as to emphatically state that you can't bounce lasers off the moon, which um, is is totally factually incorrect. It's a, that's an incorrect. That's a lie, for one thing. I'll just say that it's a lie. Um, and then just roll with that lie, and not only do, not only do they um, tell that lie, but they rephrase it several times throughout the piece. So yeah, nah, I'm not going to really trust people who do that. And I'm sorry if I don't, but that well, you know, do if I think, wish if, that he had done a better job? Yeah, I wish he. Yeah, but I. Yeah, it's, it's not. But no, I don't not, think, not Tom. I think you know exactly what I'm saying. It's like it, it, if if they were scientific, but it's or even remotely scientific, that that argument would not carry near the weight that they were hoping for in their propaganda piece. But you know, they're they're lying. So you know, in the name of science, yeah, but, lying in the name of science, I, I think would be anathema to a real scientist. You know what I mean, right? 
you're not going to ever find that statement in a scientific journal. Well, right. Science but who's, not, who's, who's, science is not saddled with that digging same through all these scientific journals. That you're, who's, who's digging well, through, who, what, uh, how the average person, how the hell is the average person that's working two or three jobs going to be surfing through scientific journals for any length of time? No. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I hear so they're not. If, you know, it's like that's a to me that's be a major problem for you and other members of your community there. If you're truly a community, to say, hey, what what? Why can't we get a mouthpiece for us that speaks for us that is not you know slanted well, into entertainment bi entertainment bias things. and everything else like that? That's that's a major major so problem. We've grown at these things. We don't we don't enjoy the fact that the, the the successful entertainment enterprises don't really reflect accurate information. We don't like that. Um, but what what can we do? It's the world yeah. that we're in, and, you know, we don't take this stuff very seriously that's on, you know, as entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, that's not part of science. We, we definitely cringe at the fact that this is what the public gets. We cringe at Discovery Channel. We you know, these things are, are not representative, but we have no power, and people honestly aren't interested enough to get accurate information that they demand better performance. Uh, so this is an indictment of the entertainment industry more than it is of science. You're trying to turn this into something anti, you know, science and anti, you know, moon landing and whatever else is, is in your back pocket, but that's oh, well, yeah, I if mean, science I, communication is the suffering, is the thing that's suffering, and we need to do better. I will absolutely agree with that, but I don't think that you should take entertainment piece mm -hmm. as evidence of some form uh, about whether or not, you know, climate change is real or lunar but, uh, landings were real. Because you're not really fighting the battle on on the correct grounds, you're well, you're picking at you're you're picking if, at the messenger, a, a bad messenger. If the scientific community is is basically what you're what you're saying here is like powerless against the entertainment industry. Oh yeah, they're misrepresenting yes. us, but there's nothing that yeah. we can do about it. So how powerless right. are you then? Up against political motivations and corporate motivations, you would be absolutely powerless. Almost based equally. on your statement, equally as powerless. So, yeah. you know, it's filtered through because they control the media. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but I certainly, <laughs> that's just no doubt about it. Um, so it gets filtered through the media. So how are how are people like me that kind of understand, you know, basically like the information you're telling me, and I've gleaned other places that you know. Um, you know, we're we're not really represented, and then we're 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 kind of like a, 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 a beholden to the whims of whatever kind of uh, political motives or anything that we're or entertainment motives or any other true that people want to use science for. How how am I supposed to trust what anything I hear out there? Like well, like like so um, like the so-called consensus on climate change is that really true? I don't know. Is that something that was put out? Um, and then you know, Tom, you're a scientist, and I'm. I'm or rather I'm than sure rail against it, and by right, the But how do you know that's true? How do you know that's true, though? How do you know that there's a real, actual consensus? Did you, have you ever? Do you? I mean, do you have any firsthand verification that you've done your, your own investigation yourself to to verify that, or are you just getting that kind of out there in the ether somewhere? 
Because it's repeated um, well, over and over. I know, a number, I know a number of scientists that, you know, are are engaged in the issue. It's not my own field. Right. But, enough. You know, enough. Right to, next to UCSD, but the issue is a good... photography. Yeah, there's scientists that reject it, too. There's, sci- there's, like, a lot of scientists that reject it, too, that are qualified that reject it. And I, and I know it. some of them personally, and I okay. know Richard Moeller personally, and he, for instance, uh, came out swinging against it, and then, you know, through his own investigation, ended up realizing, oh, well, I guess this really is happening. And so, but you, you don't know I've enough to have a consensus view. Sorry? You don't know enough scientists personally to... to to know for certain that there's an absolute consensus. Oh, I can't do meaningful statistics based on you know, right. a handful of people I know. Personally. That's really hard no. to do. It'd be super difficult to do as an individual. So you have to rely right. on what you're told, right? And we just got well, through establishing that. that you really can't trust what you're told because science is at the bin, as as the at the uh, at the mercy of whatever kind of political or even even a petty entertainment agenda. So it's like. But well, see, I'm not getting my information completely through those channels. I'm getting it through personal communication with scientists. So if I talk to a scientist and I ask, "What is the consensus?" Then I get a good answer. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm talking to someone who I know personally, and I'm asking, I'm not, you know. You, no, that's great. I'm, so, whatever. Um, you need to invite scientists to your local pub or school or whatever, and you know, try to get. And and I don't want to. I don't want to portray the fact that you know I read things in the New York Times all the time, and I read things that I actually know about. Okay, that I'm connected well enough to. And I can see some inaccuracies or some statements that are, you know, unfortunately not complete enough to my for my taste. But, but it's not a, so disturbing in that you know they're getting the core of the story right, and they're getting you know the general, uh, you know, they're representing the consensus that that I'm aware of uh, pretty well. And so I don't see this totally manipulative evil thing going on at all and even for Brian Cox like yeah I agree that people who are uh, are thinking that the lunar landings were faked it's very unfortunate it's 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 tragic that people actually are believing this and I can understand why that might have come to pass and people are skeptical by, by nature and you know skepticism is a key part of science, I have respect for skepticism, but I do think it's unfortunate, um, and and so I can understand the sentiment by which, you know, some entertainer effectively would would uh, amplify that particular uh, kind of sentiment and maybe do it in an unfortunately uh, a harsh way, but I don't think that in the end this was a misrepresentation of of, of reality as as the scientific community understands it. It was poorly done, but I think if you make the mountain out of the molehill, you actually can turn things backward and and so I don't I don't see and you know, you talked about the political arena. I mean, yeah, scientists wish they had a lot more cachet in the political circles, but it's not it's not some random thing. I mean, the scientists do have some influence. It's just not 
it's it's not complete. And then you've got, you know, ideological reasons to oppose climate change, and you've got, you know, economic reasons to oppose that message. And all these interests are, are, are you know, make it really hard, but there is, over time, you know, the, the tanker goes in the right direction uh, often. It doesn't always. But so I don't... I don't see this giant, you know, uh, arbitrary, artificial misrepresentation going on in the media or in, in politics, but I think there are, you know, things that do come up the works. There are no, you know, giant conspiracies that I've ever been able to identify um, based on the things I do know. And, you know, the process doesn't work as well as I'd like, and I really wish the public would be more educationally on board, and then we wouldn't have debates about you know, evolution, climate change, lunar landings, and whatever. I mean, that would just be a thing of the past, and we could move on and make progress. But, mm. um, you know, it's not a perfect mouthpiece. There's not, a, you know, a scientific, real scientific representation to the public. Um, so, the, the you know, New York Times does a pretty good job, I will say. Um, so it's, it's as close as, it's, given the society we live in, that's probably as, as well as we can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's, you know, we got to work with whatever information that we're given and whatever, you know, we can, you know, make determinations on things based on, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people have beliefs just simply based on things that they're told and then they have repeated. So when I see information that's presented in a uh, sort of propagandistic way, meaning like, you know, resorting to logical fallacies, ad hominems, uh, you're crazy if you believe such a thing. Now, well, just let me ask you this while I, while I have, you, have you on the phone, because, I mean, I... I and I do have to speak pretty soon, because I've got to... Yeah, just break ahead. off whenever you need to, man. It's That's cool. Um, I'm glad... I'm, 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 thank you for talking to, with me, by the way. Um, but have you ever seen the pictures of Werner von Braun walking on the moon? officially no. NASA, you know, okay, he's he's in a three-piece suit, he's walking on the moon. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, you take Werner Braun Braun out of the picture and you take that, the, the resulting picture of the uh, lunar lander in the background and all that stuff, and you say, oh, here's a, oh, here's another Apollo uh, mission photo. It's like, who who would know? Who would know? Nobody would know. And it's like, oh, we have these exact precise mock-ups of the moon that we use to train. And, you know, we have a, a, a precise scale model of the moon with all the geography correct in a, you know, a Disney studio. And we have a, a one for close-ups. And then we have exact replica of the module and stuff like that. It's like, um, you know, uh, it's like, oh, could they have faked it? It's like, oh, yeah, definitely could have faked it. I, I, but, you know, so... The idea that is it possible that it was fake is not a crazy idea. So when somebody says that it's crazy to think that, especially in the age of Hollywood and all the all the bull crap that goes on, it's like for somebody to resort to that type of language tells me yeah. that they are serving as a propagandistic mouthpiece for the established thought because. You know, if they have really clear-cut science and stuff that's, you know, um, so compelling on its own, you would use that. You wouldn't need ever need to resort 
to ad hominems, any kind of propagandistic uh, techniques of constantly repeating that you can't bounce lasers off the moon when you can. It's, it's, this is this is something that's you know not only on MythBusters but also on that BBC. It's all over the place. It's like you you, you go into a forum, you're gonna have somebody throw that back at you, you know, and it's like and then it's like no, here's the here's where they were doing it, and you have to show them the facts, you know, and these are the people that are supposedly believe in science and and want to defend it you know uh and then you know but irregardless of all of that the idea that the moon landings could have been faked is in no way shape or form a ridiculous idea that is not a ridiculous idea that's not even remotely implausible either even that's not, well, it's well not even... I would say the most implausible part of it is the, is the thousands of people involved all keeping quiet. Okay, There's... good, 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 good. I'm glad you say that, man. We just got through discussing how people at, at the observatory, I just called, they don't have specific mm-hmm. knowledge of the Apollo laser. I, who would expect them to, right? So, so, but they work directly related in the same department, in walking around with people that know or or whatever in the same room as the equipment, and they don't know what it does or the implications of it, or, or they have some loose idea, but that's not in my department, right? So how yeah, so but, how know, is how is that an argument, of- dude? How is that an argument that? What's this? What is this? I, that I keep hearing that everybody would have to been in on it when nobody's in on anything right, today. <laughs> well, no. I mean, the, the scale of my operation is, you know, the, the, the budget man. alone tells you the numbers, right? I mean, a million dollars to build this equipment compared to billions, you know, hundreds it, of billions. It doesn't or matter, it was, man. Or, it's, it's compartmentalization. We just got through thoroughly. No, look, you got you got lots more people involved in. You know, they wouldn't have to be. They wouldn't have to be none the wiser as long as their readings are coming back of what they were trained to expect, and it could be mathematically correct to the nth degree. And they're getting the readings this, back like okay, they expect more than the they want. They're not, to, on the, they're not on the module. This has gotten to the point. I have to. I have to leave anyway. But I've made a policy that. You know, I know what I know. I bought my uh-huh. equipment. It gives me the measurements to the to the moon that are completely valid. I can even tell the size of the reflectors uh-huh. from my direct measurements from the piece of equipment that I built. There's no way that anybody faked it mm-hmm. because, you know, I can, I wrote all the software. You know, it's just like the, there's no way anybody can convince me that the data I'm taking isn't real and the reflectors are indeed the size that they were supposed to be. I mean, I can tell the shape and size from my measurements and they match all the data and the information. And so, yeah, like, but you don't have a certificate you will not, of, you will uh, not convince me. And it's not because somebody told me it's something that I did myself. Yeah. And so I no, know what right. I know. That's why I'm calling you. It's and, yeah. And, and so I decided some time ago, it's just not worth my time to deal with people who think this was fake because I just know better. But, you and, know, I mean, you I don't mean, know wish, where the, if, you know, if there is reflectors on the moon, which I don't, I don't know. I'm not on the moon. I never get, went to the moon. But, you know, if, if there was, I mean, that's not proof that they were put there by Apollo. No, I mean, that that is a valid statement that, mm-hmm. you know, the, they, they could be robotically landed. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. they were landed at, you know, in 1969, uh, you know, when yeah. we have the first data. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it's, um, 
more than just Hollywood. Okay, so there was a lot to it, and it, I've got no reason to believe it's it's more outlandish to me to believe that this was elaborately uh, uh, staged than it is to believe that no, we physically did it and we took pictures and they're right and you know like and we have data from all kinds of other scientific instruments that went to the moon and we got surprises from all that stuff and so yeah. you know it's just the scientific community is just not on board the people who are you know but i think involved. i think what, Look, what human humankind mm-hmm. is not clever enough to fake data and fool scientists who are collecting data i mean you know we just can't we're not that sophisticated so like what uh, kinds of data this part well, that's a uh, it almost statement. doesn't matter. There, mm-hmm. there are all kinds of ways to look at, um, you know, a data stream and, and see. Uh, we find occasionally cases of scientific fraud. And, you know, Mendeleev, in fact, faked his, his experiments. And you can just, you can tell by doing the statistics that, you know, there, there are anomalies that that just, you know, it's it's too patterned. It's too. So how? It's so based perfect. on that's really interesting. What you're saying here, this line of line of thinking here. How would you falsify the moon landings then, based on what you just said? Like how would you? Un, um, un, un, how, how would you be able to unequivocally I, prove I would that not they were been, hoax? I, I just I just wouldn't spend time doing it. <laughs> well, I, I, okay. Well, regardless of you would or not, he's like every like trying to disprove the sun if, is there. I'm just not going to go there. But you know, I'm every going to do it. It's every, just so obvious to me. Okay, well, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but like, so, like isn't that a qualifier? I've got a phone con, and I've got to hang up because I'm calling somebody else in a second. Okay, thanks, Tom, man. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.